Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is the Problem Solved edition of Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Tim Bielek, Bill Landis sitting here in Ohio Stadium after Ohio State's 38-7 win over Army. And this podcast is going to be about eight minutes long because... Everything is fixed, right, Bill? I uh, booked uh, plane tickets to Pasadena after this game. Uh, true fact, Bill actually booked a ticket to Pasadena in like in, March. In, <laughs> in, in May, just to save some money. I'm a, I'm a company man. Let that ride on your credit card for a solid yeah. eight months. Yeah. Um, dumbest, dumbest decision I've ever made. So listen, so we're, we're going to talk real about this. There are some really good things. There are some things that didn't really tell us much of anything. Um, Optimistic Tim, we'll go to you. What what did you what were the good things that fans should take forward from this? There's a lot of this army game that doesn't apply to the rest of college football, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but what does apply? What is stuff that will make the Buckeyes better down the road because they did it today? Well, one play one play that stuck out to me was the play that Ding was called back was Paris Campbell's 59-yard touchdown that's Something we talked about, Paris Campbell getting the football in a direct handoff, getting the ball laterally to different guys. Something we talked about, just, you know, instead of the same old, same old thing of just those type of things, just getting the ball laterally to different guys. If you can't stretch defense out vertically, you might as well stretch them out laterally and use your speed. And he had a nice touchdown run that was called back with an Austin Mack penalty. He still ended up with a 25-yard gain. It's just something we talk about. Get the ball to your playmakers, get them in space, and trust in their athleticism to make plays. That's one little thing that stood out to me, even just on one play, I thought. Uh, Bill, you mentioned something about Let's deal with the Ohio State defense, deal with it in 10 seconds, and then talk to us more about those perimeter plays and Ohio State making their offense work horizontally. Uh, I thought the defense was fine. I think Army was averaging like 10 yards per carry coming into this game, something like that, and then I think they averaged four and a half in this game. Um, Tackling, I think, remains an issue, especially for the linebackers in the secondary, Um, but I'm not... It's it's triple option. I'm not really reading too much in anything that happened other than some nice games for Tough Borland and Eric Smith. It was good to see those guys on the field and then making some stops. Um, that was like 30 seconds longer than I thought you were going to go. Yeah, yeah. Before the podcast, so, you said, we don't need to talk about the defense, do we? Because it doesn't apply to anything. Listen, I wanted and to then give, you like dropped like a whole four different parts of analysis. I wanted to give uh, the Glenville guy, Eric Smith, a shout out. Um, yeah, I saw. I think the same thing that Tim mentioned about what stuck out most to me on offense is the, the – um, 
decision to attack the field horizontally, use the full width of the field with um, some bubble passes, or bubble, yeah, bubble passes, uh, some swings, some screens, um, the miraculous return of the jet sweep. That I, I don't know how many times they run it. I have to go back and count it up. I predicted they would run it five times. I don't think they hit that number. I think it was at least. It might have been, at it least might, three, I think four. It might have been three or four. I think I think you're eight. I don't think it quite hit five. But it was good to see it come back because I do think, yes, when they play good teams, they have to throw the ball vertically. I'm not saying that's that's not the case. I believe that 100% just like everybody else does. But to set that up, you have to stretch the field horizontally. And I thought they did that um, to pretty good effect against Army, who granted doesn't have the best athletes in the world, is never going to win a foot race with anyone on Ohio State's offense. But... The willingness to do it is what I was looking for this week, and they did it, and I thought they did it in some creative ways, so that was good. Uh, I'm going to give a little tease here. I'm going to talk about Dwayne Haskins before the end of this podcast. So if you want to hear about Dwayne Haskins, you've got to wait a little bit longer because we're going to deal with some other stuff. But I think I tweeted, oh, boy, three times when he came in the game. So <laughs> Can we just talk about him now? No. We, it's called a tease. I, do you know anything about I, had radio? My head, I had my head buried in my computer writing the game story, and I missed all four of his throws. Let, just... me, let me say two things about the defense before we get rid of the defense. One is I thought Jerome Baker had a bad game. Uh, I wanted to ask him about that. We got a million guys. Here's the thing you need to know about how it works in the media world with Ohio State. When they win, they bring us everybody after the game. They're so happy. They're so happy to have all these players who played well come talk to us. So I didn't get to talk to Jerome Baker as much as I wanted to. He did say he's going to think about the plays he missed, so he knows that he missed a couple. He got caught up with all the linebackers against Oklahoma getting sucked up on play action. And then I just thought there were plays today where they were pounding the ball with that fullback for a while. And there was one play, I think, especially, I think it was like when the fullback had like a 29-yard run right up the middle. And yeah. I felt like he just ran right past Second Jerome half, Baker. Right? Yeah. And Jerome Baker like didn't even make a play to try to get a hand on him. And, and on that play, it was like both linebackers, because they only played two linebackers the whole game. They played three safeties, um, which, Eric, which Damon Webb, one of the safeties, was just saying they just thought that was like the thing you do. And I think it helps with the perimeter option stuff, you have another run and chase guy rather than a linebacker. Um, so obviously Greg Shannon decided that. That makes sense. But on that play, it's like both linebackers went wide, too wide, and the guy just popped right up the middle. And there was nobody there. And that guy's like a tank. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Jerome Baker, if you're like an all-Big Ten linebacker, you've got to get in the way of that guy. And he didn't. And it, he just looked... Like he was either confused on the play or didn't stick his nose in. And it was just a, a, a flash. And listen, there's a lot of plays in the game. But it was a flash that made me think, that didn't look like an all-Big Ten linebacker. So I think Jerome Baker needs to play better. And uh, the other thing is Sam Hubbard talking about that 99-yard drive. He said on that drive, it was an 18-play drive, he said they ran the same play like 10 times. <laughs> and they couldn't stop it. And they got to the sideline. Larry Johnson talked to them about it. They learned from it. And it didn't happen again. Now, not that not that Army didn't gain some yards or didn't run that play, but that they didn't put a drive like that together again. So I wasn't surprised. I said at the time, I wasn't surprised that it happened once. I would have been surprised and concerned if it happened again. Not a 99-yard drive, but like another like 70-yard drive for yeah. a score. So I thought it was good to see that. And now we're talking about the defense in the game, and we didn't want to talk about the defense. I thought it was good to see the defense learn and adjust, and I do have an email in my inbox from a guy who wants Greg Schiano fired. <laughs> I personally wouldn't fire Greg Schiano after that game. Tim Bielek, be going soon enough. Tim Bielek is saying he would fire him. Is that correct, Tim? No. No. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. <laughs> but every time you watch, like, Nebraska lay an egg or uh, Notre Dame struggle – or I'm trying to think, what other big name programs are stinking it up? Like Missouri looks horrible yeah. today. Like 
If someone said like there's going to be like six job openings in the SEC, Texas A&M looks mm-hmm. bad, right? Every time you see a big-name program stink, you think to yourself, that could be a spot for Greg Schiano. Um, so let's deal with the offense again. That's it for the defense, for real. Also, Eric Smith did make an amazing play where he ran. He like, saved two touchdowns. He ran like 30 yards across the field <laughs> and made a diving uh, on the almost interception. Yeah, he, he got his hands on the ball, if I, if I remember right. Yeah, I mean, it was, and on that play, he was lined up on one side of the field, and the minute the ball was snapped, he sprinted it on a diagonal. Like, he knew it was coming, and he knew he had coverage there or something, and got in and made a diving near interception, but looked like a sure deep ball touchdown for Army. Yeah, David Webb got beat. Because it was a well, it was a pretty well thrown ball. It was probably the best ball. It hung up a little bit, but it was, but it was there, right? It was was catchable. It could have been a touchdown if he doesn't get over there and make that play. Yeah, Hooker-esque a little bit on that one play. Malik Hooker would have been standing there waiting for the ball, caught it with one hand a moonwalk 90 yards for a touchdown. Why you got to be that way? I mean, I'm just being real. <laughs> um, listen, we're going to get in JT Barrett because I don't think JT Barrett was great, and I don't want you guys to get caught up in numbers and records and that kind of thing. But I want to delve a little bit more into this perimeter offensive stuff, right? The bubble screens, the jet sweeps, they, they attack the heck out of the perimeter. JT Barrett completed 25 passes, 8 to K.J. Hill, 6 to Paris Campbell. For 128 yards combined. I'm not saying all 14 of those were bubble screens, but they might have been. <laughs> like 12 of them were. <laughs> so, Tim, if we saw that today, right, and it worked, and when I asked Urban Meyer in the postgame about why didn't you just hand it to the tailback 50 times and you kept doing all that perimeter stuff, he was like, well, duh, Doug. The reason the tailback stuff worked is because we stretched the defense out horizontally. Then why didn't we see it before? Was there something about it's more difficult to do that against Oklahoma and Indiana and anybody that's not Army? Or was it just bad play calling by Kevin Wilson that they didn't try that as much against Oklahoma, stretch it out horizontally, then pop them up the middle, and we will see it going forward? Or did it look easy today because it was Army? I think it's a combination of both. Maybe because Army doesn't have the kind of athletes that Indiana and Oklahoma has and, you know, for whatever reason, they just didn't call those plays as often against Oklahoma. Both in this case, I think, are true to an extent. And I think it was interesting to see that emphasis on getting those H-backs the ball outside, particularly Paris Campbell, who we saw against Indiana. You get him the ball two yards, he could take it the other 70 for a touchdown. And that's the thing, I think, that getting back to Barrett's first season, that's just all they asked him to do, get the ball to the other guys and let them do their thing. And in essence, maybe that's just – the best way to use JT Barrett is just get the ball, have him get the ball to the other guys, like the point guard in basketball, and let them make the play. Tim, you usually do your JT Barrett passing chart like in the middle of the week. I would like you to stay up all night tonight and do that passing chart because I want to see it. If please. you would please not sleep on Saturday night. Um, so let's, I'm not talking about Dwayne Haskins yet. That's Dwayne Haskins' tease number two. Ooh. Here's what I thought. If you're looking for problems solved, and you'll find a lot of problems solved out there, if the, the 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 most problemly solvedy thing, I think today to me was like play calling rhythm, feel for the game, feel for the offense, just the way it felt. Agree or disagree? Uh, agree, like eighty five percent. The exception being Ohio State's third possession, the second quarter where they got the ball one time after Army's. 9,000-yard drive. Yep, I know what you're going to say. Ohio yep. State yep. got into the red zone, yep. and it was pass, yep. pass, pass, Awful. Out. 
Out. Awful. Awful. That was what they were doing last week. And that was the thing. Like Kevin Wilson stood at the podium in the Ohio State team room on Wednesday night and gave a 20-minute mea culpa for his struggles, play calling. And that's exactly what he was talking about, is calling the wrong plays at the wrong time. And he did it three times in a row in the red zone after a sustained Army drive that really sucked the air out of the stadium. Um, I said that drive, they handed off to J.K. Dobbins on that drive, and he hit a hole and slipped yeah. and still got eight yards after he slipped. They threw it four times after that, tried to call four passing plays and kicked a field goal. After, if J.K. Dobbins hadn't slipped, he might have scored a touchdown. Right. I would have given it to Dobbins, given it to Dobbins, given it to Dobbins, given it to Dobbins. Yeah, and it, like, I'm sure there's people who are listening who are remembering that series and remembering the ball that J.T. threw to Marcus Ball, and he just missed him. It was a pass the ball in the flat, and he missed Marcus Ball. That's on J.T., the first play was like a run option bubble to K.J. Hill that Army knew was coming and it went nowhere, and I think J.T. had to throw the ball away. It's just like it doesn't – I'm not saying run the ball every time on first down when you're in the red zone, but I'm I saying am. run the ball every time oh, on first down okay. when you're in the red zone. No, I want to make sure we – yeah. <laughs> no, I – especially in the, red, in, the, in the red zone. And again, I know Urban Meyer is going to say you can't – I mean like it's easy to say run it all the time, but runs work because you do other things that set up the run. You know what their first touchdown was? Run, run, run. JT Barrett, uh, keeper on his own, reading the end zone. And he walked in. And the first drive, they started off the game with an eight-play, 75-yard drive that had two passes in it. And the two passes were passes that you could throw. They're yeah. like swing bubbles to nobody with no coverage. Well, that's – like, and then just to make another point about that, the passing game, I don't know if we want to talk about it more. But – and this isn't – I want to give credit where credit's due. Like, this is this is an original idea of mine. It's just one that I tend – I agree with, and I thought it was a good point that – um Ross Fulton, who does like X's and O stuff at Rivals made, he said it seems like Ohio State was running two different offenses and that the passing game made no sense partnered with the running game they like to do. And I thought today, for the first time, I don't even like since the beginning of last year, the passing game looked like the kind of passing game you need to partner with the way that Ohio State runs the ball. And it's not going to be 40-yard passes every time. And anyone who expects them to throw the ball downfield 15 times a game is going to be left disappointed the rest of the year. Um, And you can't throw bubbles on everything, but you have to build the pass off the run game, and I thought they did that and did it pretty well today. JT Barrett still has accuracy issues. I'm not denying that. But in terms of the type of plays they called, I thought that was more what you should be looking for. Um, I forgot to say one thing before, which is I asked. Tough Borland was like literally smiling during his whole interview. And I asked him if he was the happiest that he's ever been in his life. And he like was like, that's kind of like a weird question, <laughs> old weird dude, and said no. So anyway, I'm glad. So this, as good as this day was for Tough Borland, who had nine tackles on Ohio State and tackles, filling in for Chris Worley, who was hurt, by the way. That's not like a performance issue. That was Chris Worley had a sprained foot. He got cut block in the, I think it was a First half, it might have been the second quarter. That on that drive, I think on that long drive, it happened. I said we, we said we weren't going to talk about defense. Let's talk about defense for one more minute. Does, did you watch that today and think Tough Borland should play instead of Chris Worley? No. Like a lot of Twitter thought that. Did you think that, Tim? No. I mean, I'll give I'll give Borland credit. He stepped in, did what he needed to do, make some good tackles. It wasn't a liability, which like he could have been. So that was yeah. that was good. But this, like he was. Not to take away from Tough Borland's debut, he made his debut. He played fine. He was catching fullbacks. Yeah. And linebackers have to cover, right? And we don't yeah. not that he can't, but but that didn't that was half the job today, right? And and what killed the linebackers last week was breakdowns and coverage. And if we're gonna put tough Borland in the starting lineup, we need to see him cover somebody once, right, Tim? Yes. I mean the, 
I'm trying to look at how many times Army threw. They did not meet my outrageous prediction of throwing for 100 yards. They <laughs> threw for 19 on two of eight total completions. Hey, 81 yards off. That's not too yeah. bad. I've been off by more than that. Well, I will give Ahmad – I'll say this from Ahmad Bracha. He did match his season output today, both in completions and yards, so he does get a little credit for that. But I agree with you. We pretty much learned nothing about the defense because this is a weird offense to go up against. You really have to scheme for it for a week, and then you kind of throw the film in the trash and get ready for more conventional offense next week. Can I ask one more question about the defense? No. Now we're talking about it a lot. I just want to, are you surprised that it was tough Borland? Uh, as the backup middle linebacker? As like in a game where Malik Harrison and Dante Booker didn't play at all? Well, I'm not – I mean, the, they like to say that like everybody knows every position and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Um, I wasn't surprised that it's, that it's Malik Harrison. Malik Harrison's an outside linebacker. You're not going to have Malik Harrison plug holes and he's stick his nose like six, in five, the fullback. He's bigger than Tuck He's 6'5"? Malik Harrison's 6'5"? I, 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 I thought Malik Harrison Borland, was like Darren Lee. Malik, or Tuff Borland, I think, is 6'1", 230, and Malik Harrison was like 6'3", 250. He's the same size is as Is that right? Booker. Is that yeah. a true fact? Yeah. I mean, I might be off a little bit, but he's definitely bigger than Tuff Borland. I don't. I, I, the thing that I don't know is if Chris Worley had been hurt against a non-triple option team, is would they have gone to Tough Borland? Right. I don't I mean, know. I mean, like, he is number two on paper on the depth chart. So Tough Borland did a good job sticking his nose in there. That's all you got to do. I mean, again, we were saying Jerome Baker missed a chance to stick his nose in there and yeah. stop a big fullback. So he did what he had to do. Of I'm course. just we're just saying slow your roll a little yeah. bit on yeah. uh, banking the defense on Tough Borland. Yes. Okay. Should we or should we not be slowing people's roll on JT Barrett? Because there are two things at play here. Off, off Oklahoma a week ago, there were two things at play. One is the offense. And the offense is receivers getting open, play calling, JT making throws, um, all that. Protection, pass protection, right? The second was the quarterback. And obviously they're related, but to me they're also very distinct things. I thought the offense – made strides that matter. Did JT Barrett, the quarterback, make strides that carry over that should give people more confidence going forward? And we'll get to Dwayne Haskins soon. Uh, I mean, I don't think so, not really. This was kind of what I expected from JT. I thought <clears throat> he made all the easy throws and they put him in a lot of position to make a lot of positions to make easy throws and then the times that he had opportunities to throw the ball down the field, he was still and I don't if he threw six passes down the field or seven passes down the field all but one of them were inaccurate. The only one that really wasn't was a touchdown throw to Terry McLaurin that he fit in like somewhat of a window that wasn't even that much of a window. Um, he missed Paris Campbell. He threw McLaurin out of bounds. He threw a ball behind Marcus Ball over the middle. That's it. His best, his longest throw of the day was 31 yards. was a bad throw. It was a great catch by Marcus Ball. Marcus Ball was yeah. wide open, and if he hits him in stride, Marcus Ball might score. Instead, he throws it behind him and late. That, that's the thing. A lot of the stuff that JT does is late. late and behind. Yeah. Like he waits too long. There was even a throw early on to Austin Mack that was a decent gain that you could – it was on the roll to the right and you could see how late it was. That by the time he threw it to Austin Mack, Austin Mack was on the sidelines and had to catch it and get out of bounds. If he had thrown it a beat earlier, Austin Mack would have been open enough to catch it and then make a move. Yeah, so no, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think that the two things can be separated, that the offense made strides and JT was kind of still the same, um, which – I don't know what you would would expect coming into this game, um, but that was what I expected. It wasn't anything anything special. It was JT as his normal distributor kind of self, which I think is okay, but not anything dazzling. Is that the right game plan to you, Tim? Is that a good JT Barrett game plan? We talked about that it felt like 
other than that one drive where they screwed up by not running in the red zone, there was more of a rhythm. There was more of an approach of matching the passing game to the run game. Does that is that the right game plan for JT? Do you think? I believe so. I mean, if you want to ask me about if he took strides, I don't think so. He took the step he took forward was in executing the game plan. I mean, completion percentage was somewhere in the mid fifties after his first two games. Um, and when you talk about just the game plan, that's get him easy throws early, get him going a little more confidence wise, and the throw to ball was nice, at least as far as he got it completed. I mean, ball was all on. I don't think there was a guy within six yards of him, and the ball was still kind of behind him. So you see that as far as accuracy goes, there's still a lot to be desired. But um, as far as that kind of game plan, if he's going to struggle with accuracy, get him easier throws to hit and have him just trust in the guys that are catching the football and just be that point guard. I do think, and I tweeted this after the the first score, um, the five-yard touchdown run to open the game. Said that man can read a zone read play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like you thought the tailback had it. He pulled it out, and there was nobody there. And that's five yards at the goal line. That's five yards are hard to get at the goal line sometimes. And that man runs that play like a machine. Mm-hmm. And not to mention doing that against an Army team that sees the option every day. That's there, yep. That's when you when you think of that a little bit alone, that almost makes that play even more impressive because not only did they score on the touchdown, but he could have walked into the end zone yeah. the way he faked it. It was pretty well done. So and, and and I think we're fair to JT. We say that a lot. You cannot take that for granted. When he is gone, you will watch somebody else run the zone read less effectively, and you will say, "Oh, that's what he was so good at." So we do not take that for granted in the moment. That guy makes that look easy, and it is not easy. But we're just trying to tell you that that wasn't solving the passing game, okay? It, the, the calls were good on the perimeter. If they keep doing that, throwing more of those bubbles, getting good blocks. I do think that the receivers were saying um, they had three holding penalties. They thought they were iffy. They, they really thought, like McLaurin, Terry McLaurin, who had one of them, said, I, like, I thought my hands were inside. Like, I thought my block was good. Mac so, said the same. I think Mac had the one on the Campbell touchdown. He said the same thing. So, you know, those guys, and they were saying, like, they practice that all the time. I mean, those receivers are extra linemen sometimes when they're making those plays. Yeah. So, um, so it, it is what it is. You know, the, the flags were thrown. They can go watch it on film and decide if it was a bad call or not. But, um, but in terms of the throws that you're asking them to make, and again, like against better defenses, I don't think much really changed from before of if you had concerns about, we're almost there, if you had concerns about JT Barrett as a passer, as a passer in windows, as a deep ball passer, as a, as a passer, I mean, as a passer, uh, I, I don't think much changed. It didn't get worse today. I mean, again, but you can't just look at 25 for 33 for 270 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and think, yep, that's that's it. Game plan, I think you can feel good about, um, and we're not trying to blow holes. I mean, J.K. Dobbins ran 13 times for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Craziness. J.K. Dobbins is a monster. Should have had 300 rushing yards, though. So, um, okay, so let's get to it. Dwayne Haskins got in a college football game for the very first time today. And I wrote a thing Saturday morning, and it played out exactly as I thought it would. That they got a comfortable enough lead that they put Haskins in the game for the last drive, and then 
stuff was going to happen. Because if he was good, you were going to say your eyebrows were going to raise a little bit. And he got in there and he looked like he was trying to throw it through guys. He was, you had your head down on the computer. You were working. I didn't see any of it. I'm mad. You were working. I was lollygagging and gazing upon what was happening. And he was ripping throws. And he was ripping throws in windows and throwing it confidently. And it just looked like you think that should look. And it doesn't look like that in this passing game most of the time. Now, Dwayne Haskins isn't going to run the zone read like JT. Dwayne is not going to be a runner like JT. Um, There are lots of things that Dwayne Haskins isn't. And we do, obviously, we say it a thousand times. Every time we talk to you guys, we say, Throwing is not the most important thing for an Ohio State quarterback. There's more playing quarterback than that. But in that aspect, which is in a spotlight and should be in a spotlight for this team, Dwayne Haskins throws it better than JT Barrett. And if anybody had a doubt about that, and I don't think many people did, but if you needed proof, Tim, did you see proof? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. All four throws, he looked like you had a point to prove out there. He was just throwing it with some authority out there. I mean, he was four for four the the Throws were authoritative. I think one of them actually went over a linebacker to a receiver. I can't remember exactly who caught it, but it actually fit it in a pretty tight window, which is something that I don't think we saw from JT Barrett. And I think for people that at least saw Dwayne Haskins in the spring, that hopefully they watched our video on Tuesday night that we posted while just before we got interviews at cleveland.com that's still there. Anybody that saw that video, probably not surprised that he can throw it that well, and it looks effortless. That's the important thing. It's those throws. He makes it look like it's nothing. And he doesn't even think about it. Like all the – well, Clemson just threw like a 70-yard pass. All the <laughs> things – I picked Louisville. I like guaranteed Louisville is going to be Clemson and headline on our website. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to go erase that. Yeah. Um, everything – it's that hesitancy that we all see. Dwayne Haskins, and again, it was against Army backups, but I don't think he would do it against Oklahoma's first team. I don't think he would hesitate. And I, if he got picked, he got picked. He's not going to be perfect. But if the if the hesitancy bothers you, that was an antidote to that. And Urban Meyer, what did you think of Urban after the game when asked about Haskins? I was going to ask about Haskins and someone else asked first. I wish I would have gotten out. I didn't want to double up, but it's like the way I would have asked it would have been a little bit different. I was going to try to put Urban on the spot to see how heavy he would praise Haskins. It felt like to me like he was saying like, yeah, yeah, pretty good, but he didn't want to say too much good. Yeah, no, I got that vibe too. And I I was frankly, I I thought when they put him in, they put him in with like four minutes and I think 36 seconds left. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he was going to throw a pass. And I guess that was kind of dumb because you put him in there for a reason. You want to see him at least throw one. I thought four was a lot considering what the aftermath of that could have been. And Urban Meyer, we said it before, doesn't care what we think, doesn't care what anyone else outside of their locker room thinks. Um, but that didn't help things. So Yeah, it's like I was, it was like, Dwayne, go in. Uh, don't have a t- turnover, but also don't be too good. Yeah. Be, be good enough to end the game with the score as it currently is, but don't look too competent because I don't want to have to deal with that crap. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? It reminds you, in a way, of a teaser to a movie. You know, not, I'm not talking a trailer. I'm talking the 30-second snippet you get where it's like a mysterious voice or whatever, for example, in a movie, and you hope oh, – this is Ohio State hoping that the, that the teaser turns into a really good movie because if that's the case – then you got something there, and we're not going to know what's going to happen with this because 
I mean, this is his first game. For all we know, Dwayne Haskins might not be. The last time he said that, you were trying to praise Rutgers, so be careful. Right. <laughs> well, the point is, I mean, we got the taste. I think that's what people are going to see. They got a little glimpse of it that I think Urban's just trying to be a little careful, which is understandable. They get to the 16-yard line. It's run, run, kneel, game over. Yeah, you don't I want to throw a touchdown. Yeah, <laughs> I think the la- I'm sitting there thinking the last thing Urban Meyer probably wants to see is Dwayne Haskins throw a touchdown because if that happens, who knows? All bets are off at that point. And it's like it's like you just watched. You've been watching this uh, like this indie movie that has like a very um, sophisticated plot that really makes you think. And it, and it's really good. I mean, you know that it's good. Like you're not like super excited all the time while you're watching it, but you know as you're watching it, like this is quality filmmaking. The acting's really good. Like the plot makes sense. And you think, yeah, like that was a good movie. And then you get like 30 seconds of this trailer where stuff's blowing up and you're like, I want to see that. <laughs> so basically you're talking- Wow, that had a monster that was a robot and it was on fire. <laughs> so basically you're saying it, the, the, you're comparing Little Miss Sunshine and then and you, at the end you have a 30-second t- teaser for Die Hard meets Godzilla. Yeah. I did. Wow. I see Die Hard meets Godzilla. I, I would see, yeah. I also, and, and to be fair... I really enjoyed Little Miss Sunshine. Great film. Yeah. Great film. I, I mean, mean Steve Carell, they have a van. You know what the thing about Little Miss Sunshine is, though? Can't throw the deep ball. <laughs> <laughs> if this leads to JT Barrett being nicknamed Little Miss Sunshine, Bielik is dead. <laughs> um, I'm okay. sorry, JT. Is there anything else we need to say? No, I think we're going to get kicked out of here soon. Yeah, so. we're, like, we're like in a suite that we aren't supposed to be in. So listen, um, you know, UNLV is going to be more of the same. Rutgers is going to be – except worse – Army is better than UNLV, and I'm pretty sure Army is better than Rutgers. Yes. And Army might be better than Nebraska, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yeah, by the way, the three best teams in the West are Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Purdue. But the one thing is we'll at least maybe learn, hopefully at least a little bit more about the defense, because you're not going to learn anything playing against a triple option team that runs on 90% yeah. of its play. So we might learn a little bit more about the defense. Not a lot, just a little bit. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I think the offense is going to be on hold, but I do think um, I thought the defense showed something by responding after the 99-yard drive. Good adjustments. And, and listen, I mean, Army's going to do that to you. That's what, that's what if, the, if Army never did that to anybody, they'd stop running the triple option. Yes. That's their way to compete with teams with more talent. So um, it's, it's, it's the way it is and you just can't let it happen like four times. So they happen once, so it happened once. But I think we're going to uh, learn more going forward about the offense. I think we learned play calling, yes. Um, J.K. Dobbins, still good, yes. Um, jury's still out on J.T. Barrett to thrower. Yes. That yeah, good? I agree with all that. All right, so cleveland.com, please go read so we can keep our jobs. Um, we're going to have some videos there. We're going to have a bunch of stories on Sunday. Um, Next week is UNLV, uh, which means we'll be writing about everything except UNLV because Ohio State's going to win that game by 50. So we're going to write about other things that matter. Um, and we'll do another Buckeye talk on Wednesday um, talking about things other than UNLV. So we do it post-game now every week. We do it every Wednesday. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. It's the fast, Is it the fastest-growing broadcast in North America? It's a fact, yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, thanks for that. So for Tim Bielek and Bill Landis, I'm Doug Maurice. We are live at Ohio Stadium after Ohio State's 38-17 win over Army. 7. 38-7. All right. We've got to start the podcast over because I got the score wrong at the end. 38-7 win over Army. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>